for Two Girls, One Podcast, the only podcast brave enough to ask. Hey, remember Tumblr? And now here are the hosts who made their fortunes with fuckyeahpantsuits.tumblr.com. Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. I'm Lindsay. And welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast, a podcast where we look at weird internet communities and realize that they're not so weird after all. That's true. I like being weird. I think weird is good. And if you're not weird, it's probably weird. It's probably just boring. It's it's uncomfortable to be totally unweird. It's good to, you have to, if you're completely unweird, it's like, is this a robot? Is this an alien? Mm -hmm. What's up with this guy? And then when you meet someone and they seem like so normal and then they're like, but actually I've been recreating terrains my whole life. And you're like, okay, that's weird. (laughs) I love it. Okay. But let's talk about the actual normies because they are out there and I'm not entirely sure how they live their lives. You just think they're normie because they're. So normie enough that you don't want to talk to them, right? Because you're super weird and I'm super weird and we just like weird stuff. No, but they are real. Like the normies are real. It's just so you like, know? I, I just can't believe. Like they're not a myth. We should interview normies and ask what it's like as like a special community. <laughs> it's true. Where do they hang out online? If you are an absolutely quote unquote normal person, which I don't even know what that means, reach out to us and let us know where you hang out online. But anyway, today we're actually looking at a bunch of communities because we're looking at Tumblr, R.I.P. Tumblr, although Tumblr still exists, but R.I.P. Tumblr. Not in the same way. Yeah. So Tumblr in its heyday was really just a hotbed for communities. And it was like it was just almost like a a collection of communities. Uh, We had the fuck yeah Tumblr blogs. Every single fandom imaginable was on there. So we're actually going to speak to someone who's been looking at Tumblr and what it was like in its heyday. And it's sort of interesting that we're already far enough into this internet age where there's now a little bit of historical context to look back at sort of the backbones of the internet and the internet has been around for a while now, but um, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. The platforms that seemed like they would always be there and now are obsolete or on their way to becoming obsolete. Well, I have a couple of thoughts. I feel like Tumblr is the most authentic version of what the internet was intended to be. You know, Mm -hmm. it really is a place where everyone could be their own person, where anyone could find someone who liked the same things that they like, and they could just talk about that unbothered. And you could just like fully express yourself on Tumblr and just find other people. It it was, it's like what I think the internet should be. Like what the internet wanted to be when it grew up was Tumblr and the world just wasn't strong enough <laughs> to protect it. <laughs> well, cause we, we moved from, Hey, let's all get in the internet and talk about our favorite stuff to, Hey, let's all be ourselves on the internet and somehow be a brand un- unto ourselves. You're and all- that was a big shift. Yeah. We, we, we went from let's all use the internet to try to find someone like me. If I'm in a place where there's no one like me, 
let's mm-hmm. try to find someone like me on the internet. And it changed to let's try to make money here <laughs> by just being ourselves. And and my name is Matt, and thanks for introducing me. Oh, but. yeah. Every, every week, friends, it's a toss-up as to whether or not we're going to let <laughs> Matt say who he is, or we're just going to be like, forget about it, Matt. We Get in where you fit in. Men should be seen but not heard. But in this case, That's we fair. can't even see you. <laughs> no, no. Just, just the sound. So Matt's our producer, and uh, he's lurking. He's lurking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lurking on the forums of 2G1P. Um, there was something else that I wanted to say about what Allie was talking about, but you know, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what it was now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Great. Well, I think on that note, let's do trivia. <laughs> oh, I got some trivia for you. Today's episode is about the communities that formed on the blogging platform Tumblr in the mid 2000s. Remember that? Remember that time? No, Remember I'm it? too young. Yeah. Mm, sorry. Honestly, <laughs> though, post-COVID, I like, in diapers. time does not exist. I don't know. <laughs> no, it definitely does not. Uh, but here's the thing. I'm going to take you all the way back before that time to January 1994. That is when most internet historians agree that the first blog, as we know it today, was posted on the World Wide Web. The wow. WWW, as I like to call it. Uh, it was not called a blog at the time. The term weblog was coined a bit later, historically speaking, but a student at Swarthmore College in Pennsylvania created links.net, which included a a single HTML page called Justin's Homepage. And on this page, Justin Hall simply wrote some random stuff about his life. He was writing how he built the page and talking about the winter storm that kept him inside his dorm, uh, which compelled him to then just, I guess he was bored and learned hypertext. And that was the birth of this sort of personal homepage. Uh, Below that, he had a subhead for, quote, some personal shit. (laughs) And then another section for a menu of cool shit, end quote. Uh, which is just a list of links and other random websites he found interesting at the time, like the Electronic Frontier Foundation, Wired Magazine, and lists of bootleg concert recordings from 90s bands. So there were obviously other homepages on the internet uh, in 1994, but they were either corporate or they're informational or they're academic. This was arguably the first personal, casual stream of consciousness writing Uh, and curating of other sites, which leads historians to point to this as sort of the the proto-blog format of what we knew became blogs and eventually was usurped by Tumblr, which actually the term Tumblr usurped the term blog in uh, in Google search at, at its height. Like people stopped thinking, I need a blog, and they started thinking, I need a Tumblr, and that's how big Tumblr was. So your question today, what also appears in the menu of cool shit on Justin Hall's homepage from 1994. I have three choices. Uh, One of these things is still on that website today. (laughs) Two others I made up. Are you ready? I can't wait. A, a picture of actor Cary Grant dropping acid. (laughs) B, a still frame from the animated movie Aladdin which depicts Princess Jasmine with her nipple popping out of her dress, Mm. which was an actual frame from the theatrical movie, but later removed. 
from the VHS release, that is choice B. Or is it choice C, a photoshopped image of Kurt Cobain from Nirvana giving the middle finger to then-President Bill Clinton? Or is it D, all of the above? Or is it E, none of the above? Wow. Okay, this is... I'm choosing that D. I want the D. Mm, no. She's going for the D. All of the above? Yeah, why not? Let's all see. All of the above. Okay. Mm, interesting. I feel like if you hadn't said that Jasmine thing was an actual frame that was removed, I would have... Yeah, but Disney's notorious for like squeezing sexual things in there. So I know, but like an actual nipple seems yeah, no, too I, far. I agree. That's I agree too with far. You. I agree. That's too like, far. Like also, like Jasmine has nipples. Like I thought it was more like a Barbie doll situation. Like it's just mm. yeah. Everybody has nipples, even cartoons. Okay, Allie. <laughs> I don't know about that, but go go on. <laughs> I think it's going to be uh, Kurt Cobain giving the finger to Bill Clinton. Okay. Lindsay goes with choice C. I agree with Lindsay's uh, logic around the nipple, but I'm going to stick with D just, D just for fun, you know. Okay. Yeah. To stay C on brand D? for you. Yes, thank you. Excellent. <laughs> we will find out what appears on the very first blog on the World Wide Web after this commercial break. Well, friends, we'd like to thank all of the following people for following our personal blog, which is this podcast. It's not actually a blog. And we... Love them. So thank you for contributing at the $10 or more level. Wesley Cordell. Jerry Duran. Jessica Fox. Kathy Phillips. Matthew Scott. Melissa Elliott. William. And we have some new names this week. So exciting. Jessica Kibble. I also need to message you and see if it's actually pronounced Kibble, which only occurred to me right now. And Ken M. The infamous and lovely. Ken M. And if you haven't heard his episode yet, check it out. Thank you all very much. And if you would like to be as loved as these people are, then please consider donating to our Patreon at the $10 or more level. Patreon.com slash 2G1P. Also, Ken M. is episode 171. And now a real misconnection advertisement entitled... You never deserved my miso garlic honey salad dressing from the website where casual hookups and recipe swaps are indistinguishable. Craigslist.org. You never deserved my miso garlic honey salad dressing and admitting that you use that recipe to get laid brings dishonor to my household. I should have offered you ranch like a commoner. Wow, that sounds like a good dressing. To be fair, um, I think one might be able to recreate that dressing on their own using miso, garlic, and honey. You know, she kind of gave away the ingredients in the title. So I don't think it's like a a dressing. Yeah, a secret family recipe. It's not something anyone couldn't figure out. But apparently they think that it is something that you wouldn't be able to figure out on your own. What this teaches us, friends, is that, you know, 
serve him ranch until he really commits. You know, miso uh, garlic honey is for later on in the relationship. That's for marriage. Those are for husbands. <laughs> Save the miso honey for marriage. Yeah. That's what I always say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad we have that settled. All right, let's hear the <laughs> trivia. What appears and still appears on links.net, the personal homepage of Justin Hall, who is widely credited as the first sort of stream of consciousness blogger. Uh, It was just one single page where he would curate a menu of cool shit and also some funky images uh, at the bottom of the page. What appeared there in 1994? A- a picture of Cary Grant dropping acid. Nobody chose that. B, a still frame from Aladdin, which has uh, Jasmine's nipple popping out. Nobody chose that. C, a photoshopped image of Kurt Cobain giving the middle finger to President Clinton. Lindsay went with C. Allie predictably went with D, all of the above. Nobody chose mm-hmm. E, none of the above. Are you ready? Yes. Correct answer is... I am ready for that D. She's ready to get the D, unfortunately. Baby A did not choose A, the correct answer. The picture <gasps> Cary of Cary Grant? Grant dropping acid. Apparently, <laughs> uh, Cary Grant did many, many acid trips. Uh, this was chronicled in biographies and in nice an article. Nice work, Cary. We could have been friends. Says he tried. This is in the Guardian. He tried hypnosis and yoga and felt they both came up short. So he began dropping acid and claimed to have found inner peace. "Quote: During my LSD sessions, I would learn a great deal." He would later remark, "And as a result, was a rebirth. I finally got where I wanted to go." So for whatever reason, Justin Hall, who went on to be like a, a programmer and a, like a, a product designer, I think. Uh, and is still around and still uh, working in the biz. Yeah, he's probably biz. like 50 or something. He's not even that old. Yeah, he was a college student in uh, 94. So yeah, so he'd be uh, probably a little a little older than us at this point. Uh, yeah, the f- widely credited with the first blog, which became the sensation, completely disrupted content in, in the world and on the internet. And then we got Tumblr and now, and now we have Instagram. But wait, and look how first, great it is. The, he was the first blog ever and his name was justin Mm -hmm. that's funny because then justin khan was the first to have a live streaming blog there's something with justin's oh interesting right justin tv also i remember in college when we found this guy down the hall we found his blog and we were like oh my god he has an online diary like we thought it was the craziest (laughs) thing you know what i mean because like it used to be that you would keep your secrets under lock and key and now it's like no you tell your secrets to the world and it was we could not believe it and we all read it together i still think that that is weird to tell like your secrets you know a lot of people don't yeah he told like like, pretty personal thoughts yeah justin's like Carrie granted acid. You're welcome. Now you all know. You know he's not like right. right. Here's some random shit. Everyone but should that gets do back acid. to your <laughs> at least just once. Gets, you know, it's like should the internet be for anonymous discussion or should it be for here's me and then here's my personal thoughts? Like there's a place for both, but I I too miss the. This is why I like Reddit and and other platforms like it, like web forums of like my username is just cool guy pizza man at sixty nine, and I'm going to talk it. about you it. know. Whatever. Cool man, pizza like. guy, sixty nine. Wow. That's you know me. I'm, I'm. That's my social across all platforms. <laughs> what? Well, Matt and Allie, Follow did you? Him anywhere? What? <laughs> <laughs> so in college, I didn't have a Tumblr or anything, and this kind of speaks to Allie being like, 
I can't believe things fell off of the internet. I was just like, what? nothing. You were like early on, you said, now we're at a time where things have cycled through. Like there's mm, a yeah. time, yeah, you yeah. know, and I always thought like nothing on the internet is going to last. Like I am totally like if you told 19 year old me that Facebook would be around in 20 years, I'd be like, you're insane. Some weirdo from Harvard made that up. It's like so weird. That's so funny though, because I had the opposite reaction. And I remember being in college and being like, you know, what's going to be so weird in like 10, 20 years when people are, are people are going to be like posting their like births. And I thought it like, I was like joking. I was like, that would be so <laughs> crazy if people were doing that. And then like, that's completely what happened. Yeah. I guess that's I sort my entire of, I don't feed know. Right now. I think in my mind, they were like buildings. So like they could be demolished, but like it would take a lot, you know, I don't know. I just didn't see them as going anywhere. And some of them have and some of them that's haven't. That's interesting. Similarly, uh, and we've talked about it, Wikipedia. Like when Wikipedia came out, it's like, an encyclopedia, anyone could edit? Good luck. (laughs) And now it's the the depository of all human knowledge. It's the only thing that works. It's actually more accurate than most previous encyclopedias. Um, I had, I don't know if I've mentioned this on, on the pod before, but I had a Zanga page because... I was Mm -hmm. on the Taekwondo team with a lot of Asian people and they all (laughs) had a Zanga page and I don't remember how to find it now, but I do remember Mm. that it was called bite size fighter with all wise. I think you did say this and I love that. Yeah, that's what my was it about Zanga? Because because my 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 recollection, I never did live journal or Zanga, but like the Zanga fe- felt like the Tumblr of its day where it was, it was wacky. It was colorful. Am I, am I misremembering? What I thought I don't of even it remember t- it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I would never have known about it if I didn't have all these like cool Asian American friends. I would never know. Um, Interesting. But wh- how I saw it, it was like kind of like live journal meets uh, like Facebook or MySpace. It was hmm. like a hybrid between those two where you could like customize your layout and stuff, but then just like write about your day and your feelings. And like, obviously I wasn't really into writing about my feelings for the world. So I probably posted twice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather just talk about my feelings to all of you and then forget what I said. That's, that's my tactic. Anyway, speaking of talking to us and then forgetting, I think it's, I think our guest is here. All right, everyone. It is time to welcome our guest. She wrote a very cool and interesting article called Remembering Tumblr's Strangest and Most Formative Communities. She is a culture fellow at Mashable. Everyone, put your hands together in your own homes where we can't hear it for Elena Cavender. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Thanks for being here. <laughs> well, we are very interested in speaking with you because Tumblr back in the day was a hotbed for internet communities, which is what we look at here. But can you give our listeners an overview of what made Tumblr so fertile for community building? The way that Tumblr was designed made it like a great place for community building because in order to like respond to anything, you had to fully like reblog a post or an image. 
and add your comment there. So it wasn't like commenting on the bottom. You had all the discourse like up top. So in that way, you could really see conversations happening and like connect with a lot of different people on one post. Nice. Love it. I mean, just for you specifically, were you into Tumblr and how did you first get into it? Yes, I was super into Tumblr and I was a teenager during Tumblr's heyday. So I heard about Tumblr, you know, on the streets at school and I was a big (laughs) One Direction fan. So that Mm -hmm. also brought me to Tumblr. And that's like most people I feel like were brought to Tumblr by something that they were a fan of. All right. I have to interject already. Did you personally author any One Direction fan fiction? I did not. (laughs) Unfortunately, I wish I had. It's not too late. Honestly, it's not too late. Asking the tough questions. That's true. Yeah. So I got on Tumblr for One Direction. Um, I also was involved in like the study blur side of Tumblr. I loved looking at pretty notes and stuff. Mm, I love that. That was my Tumblr world. Okay. Also, what was your Tumblr handle? Is that how you say it? Your blog title? It was Brainiac Cav, my last name Cavender. But when I first made my blog, I spelled Brainiac wrong. (gasps) Um, (laughs) So it was like a real fail. Intentionally or unintentionally? (laughs) Unintentionally. I was like 12 years old. Oh, girl. Did you spell it Brainiac? (laughs) Yes, I did. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know until I told a friend. I was like, this is my blog. And they were like, I tried to find it and I couldn't when I went oh, back and looked. That is. <laughs> what were some of your personal favorite communities during the peak Tumblr time? Definitely One Direction. Specifically, I read a lot of 1D Imagines, which are a specific kind of fan fiction that start with Imagine Harry Styles falls in love with you, essentially, was the gist of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of them were written by 12-year-old girls. Do you remember, like, a really specific one? Like, imagine... I just remember that Harry's eyes were always referred to as green orbs. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's a lot of this language that was in them that is so funny to look back on, like green orbs. Wow, green Mm -hmm. orb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean... I'm going to blow your mind right now, but I've met (gasps) Harry Styles twice. You have? Mm -hmm. Wait, is this doing Crosswalk Musicals? I actually, it's Dodgeball, but it is still James Corden. Whoa. I played Dodgeball against Harry Styles against One Direction right after Zayn left the group. And it was like me and a bunch of other women that I played Dodgeball with. And they wouldn't even tell us who we were playing. They're like, who do you think it's going to be? And we were like, I don't know, the Avengers. <laughs> and then and then one person, one, only one person was like, it might be 1D. And I was like, y'all are straight tripping. There's no way we're playing against 1D. That's crazy. And then it was One Direction. And we were like, ah! Wow. I just love that everyone calls them 1D and like doesn't blink. Like that's not <laughs> or, like super, like, come on. Which is the 1D that you think of, though? I'm just looking for 1D. Swiping every day for that 1D. <laughs> What is your favorite piece of One Direction fanfiction? Oh, there's a Larry fanfic called Tired Tired Sea that takes place on an island off the shore of Scotland. Okay. And I just really liked the vibe of that one. I support you. I'm with you. Thank you. All right. So listeners know that I need to know what were the strangest, air quotes, communities 
that were on Tumblr? For Harry Potter, Harry Potter was a huge fandom on Tumblr. And then in particular, people on Tumblr were obsessed with the generation before Harry Potter. So that was like Mm, the Marauders era Mm -hmm. based on the Marauders map. So there's a huge Marauders fandom that was so popular that there are these like fan casts of Harry's parents and friends that really like gripped the cultural <laughs> consciousness. And lately there like there's been this Andrew mm-hmm. Garfield renaissance and he was the fan cast back in the day for Remus Lupin. I wanna read and see that prequel so badly. And it ends mm-hmm. at the moment of Voldemort and his parents' death. That's I want that so much in my life. But yeah, okay. But that's not weird. That strikes me as obviously. Okay, so what else? There were the tag yourself memes and posts that started on Tumblr that were super popular around like 2016, where people would create memes with a list of anything, add a couple characteristics to each thing and be like, tag yourself. And as we know, the internet loves to self-identify. So those were super popular. And it would be like (laughs) an inanimate object, like, which kind of pen are you? And then an elaborate description of each one and people would be in the tags, you know, claiming the pen for their lives. Humans. And serial killer Tumblr was huge. And very controversial. Colors? Serial killers. Oh, serial killers. <laughs> I thought you said... <laughs> yeah, different. It's different. <laughs> I thought you said serial colors. I was like, okay, I get fuck yeah serial. I get that. I get fuck yeah colors, I guess. But like, fuck yeah serial colors? That seems so random. Wow. You've got brown and uh, uh, that's really it. <laughs> Lucky charms would come through for that. Yeah. So does uh, fuck yeah serial colors, is that is that weirder for you than, than fuck yeah serial killers? Which one's weirder for you, Lindsay? Honestly, it is weirder. It's more disturbing fuck yeah serial killers. But I kind I know that those nut jobs are out there. I didn't know people who are just Mm. talking about colors of cereal were out there, but I'm sure they are. If you know about the fuck yeah cereal colors, please tweet it to me. I would love to follow it, honestly. I I just uh, just claimed it. I got it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. What is the deal with people's obsession with cereal killers? And true crime in general, I don't know, yeah? I don't understand the obsession, but on Tumblr, it was more than just people were obsessed with serial killers. There was this obsession with any bad men. Mm. Like, the characters that were most popular were, like, evil men. Why? I just want to find a nice 1D. That's what we're looking for. (laughs) Can you give our listeners a brief rundown of what the whole porn situation that kind of brought Tumblr to its knees, puns intended? (laughs) Porn was banned in 2018, which was an effort for Tumblr to monetize and something to do with the Apple Store. Porn was huge on Tumblr before that and was like a huge community. And so when porn was banned, there was a huge drop off in users. I love how they did it to monetize and it like really backfired. Yes. It was wild. I just remember everyone was sad. It was like the level of worry and panic was the same level that everyone had when the New York Times bought Wordle. 
but Mm -hmm. Wordle didn't change at all. And (laughs) Tumblr just actually faded into dust like the freaking corn belt in the depression it's it was done gone everybody's like bye mm-hmm. it's so sad they did more word bands recently like in the last couple of months and like banned really random tags like girl what what, it, what? why uh, i'm it's again like something to do with monetization and the apple store wow apple but a lot of people haven't like at this point, people who are still on Tumblr aren't going to leave because of that because it was the porn ban that really like took everyone off. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, right? So the people that are left are the leftovers, and they're staying. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Nothing's going to kick them off. Well, the thing about Tumblr porn, because you know your girl went and checked it out. She clicked on the girl tag, is what you're saying. I clicked on the girl <laughs> tag. No, uh, but I. It wasn't scary. Like porn is kind of upsetting. But Tumblr porn, it is just like the title says, like you actually just fall into a hole and then you're somewhere very scary that you did not (laughs) see yourself getting to. But you start off with it's just like people kissing shirtless and then it's like just a very sensually photographed leg. And then all of a sudden you're watching like dudes fuck in a bathroom and you're like, what? How did they get here? That's like every side of Tumblr. You dip your toe in and you get somewhere crazy in the process. Yeah. I mean, that's the internet, I think. Yeah. But Tumblr was actually, honestly, I hardly ever say things like it's peak 2000s or whatever, but Tumblr was peak internet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah. It's like everything you want is there And you can be any version of yourself that you want to be on any given day. And if you switch it up, people aren't going to be like, I can't believe you switched up. Like if you're hard into 1D on Monday and on Tuesdays, you go to freaking (laughs) Hogwarts world. It's fine. No one is going to be like, oh, we don't do that here. I mean, they might, but it's just didn't feel like that deep at Tumblr. You can go as deep as you want. She said, do you have any thoughts on perhaps correct models for porn? (laughs) Like what what these platforms should be doing? Oh, I haven't thought about that. It's just fascinating to me that like certain platforms are so against porn, but it's like you could literally open another tab and get the dirtiest fucking thing you could possibly imagine. So it's like, who are you really protecting? Well, but it's not about protecting. It's about advertising. Yeah, You can't monetize a social media platform if there's adult content on it. Advertisers do not want to be next to it. They don't want to touch it. It's just, it's impossible. They committed the original sin of allowing it on the platform in the first place. And then a huge community grew. And then they said, fuck, we're out of money. Yeah. We can never m- make money from this. And all the servers are on and we're burning cash. Like it sucks, but it had to be done. I'm not justifying it, but like, there's no other way unless you do a subscription model where it's like, hey, if you love Tumblr, pay us $5 a month for premium features. Like that's what Discord does. And you can do whatever the fuck you want on Discord because it's there's no advertising on it. Yeah. They chose advertising, which fucks up the internet as we have seen. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I wish we didn't fuck up the internet so much. <laughs> okay, so what do you think that Tumblr got right about community building? And what did it get wrong other than porn? Obviously, it went very wrong with the porn. Oh, that's a really good question. Starting with what it what went wrong, it never like modernized the platform, which I think is why we have so much nostalgia for it, because you can go back and it looks 
almost entirely the same, except there's no porn. So it's really easy to be like this moment in the internet because it's a relic. It looks exactly the same. Mm -hmm. I think the community building came with how open of a platform it is. Everything's on Tumblr. It's not like a different platform. Like there's video, long blog posts, GIFs, photos. Like you can find it all right there. So you don't need to go anywhere else. You can chat, make group chats. It seemed like the perfect thing. Well, maybe it was just too wonderful. I'm sorry, we didn't deserve you, Tumblr. (laughs) But like now everything is so just singular that you have to click to go through all sorts of different platforms to get you know, what Tumblr had all in one spot. So with Tumblr, it also wasn't like addicting in the same way because there was no algorithm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was chronological. So, and it's still chronological. They haven't changed that, which also made it like such a benevolent yes. platform because mm-hmm. while all the other platforms were changing and becoming super addictive and hard to quit, Tumblr just remained the same. And I think so many people left Tumblr Whether it be because of the porn ban or just because once one person on your dashboard stops posting, you know, you don't go on as much and you can really easily quit it. Oh, that's also somewhat wholesome about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that you could so easily quit because it wasn't an addictive drug. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Too bad it got ruined. I haven't checked my TikTok in like three minutes. Yikes. Allie's not well, <laughs> and I'm not talking about the COVID. JK, JK. I, I yeah. just, I have COVID. It's fine. <laughs> but like, actually. We know. <laughs> no, but our guest does. No. <laughs> Feel better. <laughs> no, it's, it's day 13. I'm no longer contagious, but oh, it's still whoa. just kind of rough, you know? She's not contagious. She's just gross. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so we talked about One Direction, but there's a fandom that is so strong. It's multi-generational. It's international. And that is the super Hulak fandom. <laughs> Whovians are people who are into Doctor Who. And the, the, the super part is the supernatural. And then Sherlock. They're all so weird and different, but I guess have like kind of a related vibe. You know, there's partnerships, there's like superpowers, supernaturalness. And why did that fandom like come together in in that kind of a way on Tumblr? I think there was something about those three shows that drew a certain kind of person to them. And I think that was like a really nerdy type of girl that liked those three fandoms. And then I think they had a similar humor Mm. where everyone was making like the same kind of jokes with those three shows. And it was like ran Tumblr from like 2013 to 2015. One of the people I talked to was a super Hulokian. And she said (laughs) that there was a joke among the fandom that under any post there would be some kind of connection back to Super Hulok on Tumblr. So it was like extremely prolific. Wow. That's intense. But also, I I feel like a lot of what sort of banned these fandoms together was shipping these yes. shows. Can you talk about a lot of that? And I mean, can you tell me, I guess your favorite 1D ship 
which I think I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, with I'm not sure what the soup uh, the Doctor Who ship is, but I know that Supernatural was Dean and Castile. And surprisingly, in the Tumblr 2021 in year in review, that was still the top ship talked about, which is crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. For um, Sherlock, it was um, Sherlock and Watson. Mm-hmm. So MLM ships were super popular on Tumblr. And I think that like in order for a fandom to be really popular on Tumblr, there had to be an MLM ship. I'm not sure, but... MLM? Multi-level marketing? <laughs> a man-loving man. Oh. I, I love a good MLM. <laughs> and then for One Direction, that was Larry Stylinson. <laughs> yes, we know. <laughs> so speaking of... MLMs and shipping and things like that. Are there styles, not Harry Styles, <laughs> but are there, you know, slang and other mainstays of internet culture that we don't realize were actually born on Tumblr? The first thing that comes to mind is OTP, mm. One True Pairing, mm. which is like your favorite ship. I guess ship also comes from Tumblr, which is the relationship you are most into from a show or the relationship that doesn't exist that you really want to exist. I think that predates the internet, actually. Uh, we have covered that, yeah. Really? Yeah, we did an episode on it. It will probably starts with Star Trek, like everything in fandom. That is correct. Exactly. It starts from Star Trek cons mm-hmm. in the 70s, maybe, but obviously was exploded uh, through Tumblr. Yeah. Fact checking. My favorite Star Trek ship that didn't happen, which probably a lot of people are into. Obviously, I know they are. Dr. Bashir and Garrick. Oh, my God. There's probably a Tumblr about it. But also a lot of, like, social justice language Mm. um, that we use on the internet now was popularized on Tumblr. And just, like, the way that social justice is talked about online, how it's weaved into, like, every conversation, that definitely started on Tumblr. Why? why? How do you think so? What are your examples? There was a lot of blogs, like, fuck yeah blogs that were devoted to different topics, like, fuck yeah sex education that like really popularized the language that we use now and like i said before with the way that tumblr was set up so that you had to repost everything to respond to it you couldn't leave a comment that led to like a lot of conversations happening right in front of you about social justice and how it connected to different things and occupy wall street and black lives matter were both movements that were on Tumblr as well as like in real life. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about fuck yeah blogs in general? I mean, it's very exciting and it does seem like a very, you know, teenager thing to do to put fuck yeah in front of everything because Mm -hmm. teenagers are new to cursing and they just do it in excess. And so it makes sense, but it's also very fun and it's kind of celebratory. Can you talk about those blogs? And I read in your article that At one point, there were 150 new fuck yeah blogs a day. Yes, in 2011. That's insanity. Fuck yeah Mm -hmm. blogs could be devoted to anything, and that blog would just post that one thing. Like, fuck yeah movie posters would post, like, three movie posters every day. And it was a way for you to curate your dashboard to be, like, your own little universe of everything you liked. You'd follow a fuck yeah blog that identified you really liked it. Like, fuck yeah, history crushes, fuck yeah, glee. There was, like, literally 
fuck yeah for everything, including fuck yeah serial killers. (laughs) Wow. Of course, I know that there's a big fascination with serial killers, but I guess something that's interesting to me is that Tumblr did very little moderation and then boom, cracked down on porn. Yes. Right? And there was definitely a dark side to Tumblr. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not only the serial killer devoted blogs, but also there was a lot of pro-anorexia content on Tumblr. I remember this, yeah. Oh, I remember that. Mm. And that was a whole subculture. They did crack down on that, though, right? Eventually? I'm not sure. I remember it was like pro-ano blogs is what they were called. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those were disturbing. The the whole slang for them, too. Yeah. Wow. I remember back in the day when we were doing blog logs, we had this live show where we would perform internet text. We came across a lot of the pro-anorexia ones, and there was this girl that was like journaling about her baby food diet. I mean, it was like wild. The internet is such a magical and scary place. (laughs) So we recently did an episode about steady streamers. And so I think it's interesting. I don't know if maybe just everyone's always been studying or do you think study blur did that sort of become the steady streamers? Was it sort of a precursor? Is there any connection or no? I think there's definitely a connection. I find often I write a roundup of TikTok trends every week that Almost every time I can trace that back to Tumblr. And I think that can be said for study streamers and also the popularity of the dark academia aesthetic. I think those are both offshoots of study blur, Mm -hmm. where there's obviously an audience for studying content as it was so popular on Tumblr. And then it adapts to different platforms. Can we define dark academia? I have not heard that term. That's like an aesthetic that became really popular during the pandemic, but has been on <laughs> Tumblr for years. That's like obsessed with the book, The Secret History by Donna Tart. It's like a certain way you dress where you wear like tweed and like it's a professorial look and people into that aesthetic post a lot of images of like old libraries or Oxford. I'm kind of into that. Mm-hmm. It sounds fun. W- what's bringing me back is this obsession with very specific things. It was a platform that's like, hey, do you like old libraries? Fuck yeah, old libraries. And that's all we're doing here. It's so hyper-specific. And I, I don't know, even a subreddit today is going to be about a show, a sports team, a game, a, a concept. That's something I find interesting that Reddit is yep. also, in my mind, just communities, hotbed for communities. But the feel and community mm-hmm. is so different. So I'm curious if our guest has any thoughts on why they are so different. And, and as a stereotype to me, Reddit feels very male and Tumblr felt more female. That's what first came to mind for me, too, was that Reddit seems male and Tumblr is more female. Also, the color scheme, like Reddit is not beautiful, like so gray (laughs) and Tumblr was really pretty. Yeah, always. In what ways do you think that Tumblr communities were kind of the building blocks for current Internet communities, if at all? I do think that the community building had to do with the design of Tumblr and that in order to repost something, you had to reblog it. But I think that Tumblr lended itself to community building a lot more than TikTok does or any other platform does right now. Mm -hmm. Because on TikTok, when you post a video, like someone only comments on it and you can reuse the sound, but there's not like 
interaction between two people. And when you follow someone on TikTok, they only show up in your following tab, not your for you page. So it's not the same as when you followed someone on Tumblr and they were like always on your dashboard. From that, I feel like you develop a relationship, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not mutuals, yeah. No, no, no. TikTok is definitely just like chaos, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, where where do you think a lot of those communities migrated to after the great porn debacle? I think that some of those communities stayed on Tumblr, like the diehards stayed, and I think that a lot of them like aged out of Tumblr. When I was researching for my piece, I talked to a lot of people about when they left Tumblr. And like the girls who had One Direction blogs all left when One Direction broke up. Mm. And then a lot of people talked about how once they went to college, they stopped using Tumblr, which was what I did. So there was like a natural migration away from Tumblr. And I don't think that anyone naturally, like there wasn't a direct through line going from Tumblr to a different platform. And a lot of the stuff that was happening on Tumblr is now happening on TikTok. But I think that's because it's also a teen-led platform, not necessarily that there's a relationship of people going from Tumblr to TikTok. Yeah. It's super interesting that it was kind of like an aging out thing and that there was nothing else to replace it because it, it fell out of fashion at the moment when teens aged out. That's really fascinating. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this walk down Internet's memory lane. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. That was honestly lovely. And I never thought I'd miss Tumblr, but I do. Were you active on Tumblr? Am I active? Or were you? Were you back anywhere? No, but I did have a Tumblr. I've had a Tumblr for like, I don't know, 10 years. It's called Black Girl in Hollywood. I've posted three times. Cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like a Mm -hmm. screen name that you managed to snag, though. You know, thanks. You know, maybe if Tumblr has a renaissance, you'll be ready. Uh, Yeah. I feel like for blog logs, we did one of those things like, oh, we need a Tumblr. But I don't know that we like ever did anything with it. But. Yeah, but it was such a moment. I just think it's so interesting, all these things that like we think are like huge and here to stay, and then they're not. Like, you know, TikTok mm, could be gone mm-hmm. in a year. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Um, I think TikTok is here to stay. You know, I, d- <laughs> I will say YouTube is not the trendy one anymore, but they have lasted. I mean, they're owned by Google now, so that helps things. They've been around for almost 15 years. Wow. But I mean, in the Let's internet landscape, yeah, wild. they've That's weathered crazy. some storms, you know? Yeah. It's uh, it's quite extraordinary. You know, when you look because at Vine, like other content creation platforms, there have been a lot that have like risen and fallen. Yeah, it's a, it's extraordinary. And my working theory is that it is it is all things to all people. It they empowered creators to create excellent content and monetize it. That's number one. It's a viral engine. So that's number two. And number three, it's the fucking library of Alexandria of every audiovisual piece of content the humankind Jesus has ever Christ. created. <laughs> It can't, it can't go away. And that's terrifying that it's owned by one company, but like in some ways YouTube must exist. Imagine what would be lost if it disappeared. It's actually quite worrisome, but I'm glad they're doing okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no, it's wild. Did you have a Tumblr, Ellie? No, not really. I don't know. I've never really gotten into that. Even though I do, I am addicted to a lot of the internet, but I've never gotten into blogging. Yourself? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've, I'm more of a voyeur. You know, that's me. 
I'm a little too private to write it down forever. If you want to know what I think, you got to catch this podcast when I'm really unguarded and just saying everything (laughs) that will prevent me from getting elected to public office. You can also catch her at The Lindsay Life across social media platforms. And I'm at Allie underscore Goldie across social media platforms. Oh, shit. Oh, fun, fun. I'm so excited. Reached out. We love you guys. Hey, Lindsay, Allie, and Matt. What online community would you most want to interview that doesn't exist as far as you know? Oh, my gosh. That voice is it's what I Chad. would want to interview. I know exactly who that is. It's our listener, Hi, Chad, Chad because that voice is, is just like butter. Chad, but I think it's so voice. formal. I'm like, what's your voice really like, Chad? Come on. What's it really no, like? No, no. <laughs> Only use this voice, which is like the the voiceover in a scary know, movie from the, the it's 40s. It's the God mic. But honestly, the voice is so buttery that I blacked out. What did he ask? If we would... What internet community would we most want to interview that we don't think exists right now. This is a very hard question. Yeah, I mean, what doesn't exist for everybody? Yeah, that's the whole thing about the internet is it's there, you know? What's your favorite ice cream flavor that you've never tried or something like that? You know what I mean? It's like, it's Mm. hard to think of something that is not there. Yeah, because also we've been doing this podcast for so long that at this point, if I've thought of it, (laughs) but if if it's something that I've personally thought of, I've already Googled it and we've potentially interviewed that person. So, Mm -hmm, you know what I mean? mm -hmm. So I'm going to... Or failed. I'm going to bump it over to Lindsay. Well, I mean, I don't know you've if you've specifically interviewed this, but I would be very interested in interviewing feminist dominatrixes of color. Cause I think they're probably wild and exists. cool okay. as fuck. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. I'm sure covered they exist, that a little but- bit actually. The episode we have bef- pre Lindsay, but we did an episode about like sex Black dungeons Dons. in second life Right. Mm-hmm. And mm. it was basically brothels. women of yeah, brothels and second life. And it was women of color who went and founded it. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really That's interesting. I, I, I think about, I would love to do more episodes about that. Yeah. Niche, I read about a, you know. a black dominatrix who used to make her um, submissives read f- bl- like feminist literature before. <laughs> getting the opportunity to work with her, which was pretty badass. Yeah. There was also, we interviewed someone who um, made people promise to vote for Biden. (gasps) Oh Oh, my God. It was political shame, Mm -hmm. right? Political shaming. Yeah. It's it's part of like the humiliation kink. Right. right. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. true power. So yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have an answer to that because I just feel like... Well, I would actually... Something that I don't know that we could do because it's very challenging in society. I would love to interview a community of people that are dealing with vices that are bad, like actually bad for society, but they've found this community online to help them deal with it. Like pedophiles. If we were able to talk about it openly and help people like pedophiles, I think the reason why they're so dangerous and bad for society is because we don't offer them help. Like the shame Mm -hmm. is so strong that they just 
turn into monsters. Like they just right. don't think they have any other option yeah, than Savage, to just be an actual monster. Yeah, Dan Savage has some really interesting moments in some of his episodes where he tackles pedophilia and he talks about how he really like he really feels for these people that if this really like is your orientation, how you need to not act, you need to be repressed, you need to not act on it and like how they right. need our it's help. Not a, how could it be a choice? It's not a choice. So is it a mental illness? Is it an orientation? And that is uh, right. more complicated than just like these are bad people right, right. and but his the, thing is like he's like if you are you can actually, you need to not act on it yeah right, the choice is to actually hurt a child that yes. that's the choice right so exactly you you have something that is definitely dangerous about you like a lot of people have you know thoughts of killing other people and they just don't yeah. do it you know what i mean mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. murder is bad the murder analogy is interesting to me because it's like we all want to we all want to kill someone like oh i'm going to kill you like that is a natural human instinct but then the, but then there are different people who are violent people that they have some compulsion toward violence and that as we understand them that is considered like an antisocial and mental illness situation it's dangerous That's a different you can't category. be dangerous to other people <laughs> or yourself but like definitely once you are a danger to other people, that is, you're societally problematic. You mm -hmm. have to right. figure that out. You mm -hmm. cannot be out here being a danger to other people, but especially to children. That makes you a monster. You're an actual monster. And so how do we, how, how could we as a society help people afflicted or, or oriented this way? figure it out and and coexist well i, I don't, don't know, know what the is the deal with like do therapists and psychiatrists have to report that or are they allowed to speak right. openly about it it's a good question with... well as long as they haven't as long as they haven't acted upon it your therapist should not say anything about that mm -hmm. you that's a place where you should go to be able to work out those problems yeah i, I don't know what the current status of that is but it's definitely pretty fascinating on go. a lighter note, I would love to just cover more international communities, perhaps with a translator. I think there's a lot of really fascinating mm -hmm. stuff going on around the world. We haven't looked at mukbang yet, which is started in Korea. It's here now, but it's like streaming your eating, <laughs> um, mm. just like eating a normal meal and just like streaming it. Um, so I would love to tackle that. So that's the correct answer of like, what what are communities we don't know about? other languages yeah. like we don't we cannot access them even if we come we across do have international you know listeners so i would love to um yeah if, if any international listeners have suggestions i would love to with the translator whatever we need to do i would love to talk to people who are staying sane by connecting through people on the internet who are surviving in this war in the ukraine right now Whoa. that would be a really interesting like how are people knowing when it's safe to go I mean, out I and get that food and stuff? Ventures you know? to be off topic for the podcast, but it's very fascinating. <laughs> and TikTok is really interesting because a lot of Ukrainians are TikToking throughout. Yeah, it. no, I'm saying they're they're connecting online because they can't leave. They're like in a yeah. very intense, like you know, quarantine kind of like they don't want to be out in the streets getting shot. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. a lot of people are literally underground just with their families and connecting through the internet. It's, it's wild. And, and then the, the, the upsetting flip side of, I mean, aside from the war being as upsetting as it is, is that like TikTok is rife with misinformation mm -hmm. and bad information mm -hmm. and, and posers and, you know, 
content profiteers too. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is not, why, friends, not. again, what this podcast is really about is how capitalism is bad. <laughs> and follow me on TikTok I'm at Goldie. You can also email us at to g1podcast at gmail.com. Join our Discord, discord.gg slash 2g1p. Please, please, please check out our Patreon. No amount is too small. Even if you just give a dollar a month, that's wonderful. Patreon.com slash 2g1p. Um, also, we haven't talked about this. We don't talk about it too often, but please leave us a review wherever you can. Reviews help the algorithms surface us. So if you leave a review, even if it's just a couple of words about how you love Lindsay and Allie sounds like a Muppet, that's fine. Leave a review. It'll help other people find us. <laughs> you can also call us, and that number is... 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. Put us on your dashboard, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Lindsay Ford and Allison Goldberg. Then reblogged by Fuck Yeah Underrated Podcast. I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Additional editing by Avito Ayler. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.